0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of the Theory of the Postdoc Evolution podcast. I'm Alice from the Postdoc Development Center at Queen's University, Belfast. This episode features an interview carried out in May 2021 by one of our postdocs, Linda Oyama. Linda talked to Dr. Panchali Kanfatiath about her recent transition from postdoc to research scientist high throughput sequencing at AstraZeneca.
1: Enjoy. I always think that this is a very uh, good session to learn um, from other people and see um, how they've made the journey this far. So I've got a few questions for you. When I was preparing the question, I sort of asked myself, how did I even meet Panchali? You know, how did that, how did that happen? And, and I realized the first time I was ever in contact with you was in 2018 when I was um Responsible for organizing the prokaryotic um, division for the carrier microbiology um, forum, so we had a summer conference, and we were looking for speakers. But then I thought, but how did I get her information, and how did I come to? Um, I can't even remember. But since then, you've been really, you've been really helpful, and you get back to me really quickly. So for everyone's interest, and um, Panchali is currently a research scientist. H T S now I, I try to Google what that means, but I might get it wrong. So I'll let you explain that later on. At AstraZeneca, um she's recently moved to AstraZeneca. I think only in the last couple of months, um but before uh, that you yeah. were Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been two months <laughs> now. So, um, <laughs> so- so much, fun. Yeah, so well done. Um, so would you like to, I know a lot of people have heard so much about AstraZeneca, especially in the current COVID climate, it would be been in the news a lot. Some of us would probably already received AstraZeneca jabs for COVID. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit more about your employer and what exactly they do in a nutshell?
0: So um, I don't have anything to do with the COVID vaccines because I work at the drug discovery side of things. But uh, as an imp- as a as a company, the focus of the company is to develop and discover and commercialize prescription medicines for oncology and other biopharmaceuticals, such as and in in disease areas such as cardiovascular, renal metabolism, and respiratory immunology. And we've got other few areas of diseases that we also work in, like neurosciences as well. So that's basically what the company does. Uh, I think the vaccine is obviously a newer kind of um, area of research that that, you know has kind of come up in the last year and a half or so. So, yeah, that's basically what they're known for. So,
1: yeah, I've always known um, AstraZeneca as the almost like the drug discovery company. That's been my but it can be quite myopic as a view. So it's good to know all these other things that they're involved in as well. Um, So I suppose my next question is that um, what what's your role? Because it, it's described as research scientist HTS. What does that HTS actually stand for? For those of us who don't know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so HTS
0: stands for High Throughput Screening. So uh, my role basically within the company is a lab-based role, and I'm involved in uh, screening of compounds uh, against specific targets and finding inhibitors. So we are kind of, uh, we fall into the department of head discovery. So we are looking for all those new molecules that can be potential drugs towards specific disease targets. So
1: that's where my role sits within the company. Great. Um, can you talk us through how you got here? How did you get to AstraZeneca? What was your journey like? You know, um, did, you do, did you do the PhD or not? Because you know, there's some people in the audience who are PhD students in their final year thinking, what am I going to do next after all this? You know. So what's your journey been like? Where did you go to study and how did you end up here?
0: Right. So it's been a quite a long journey <laughs> and a winding one at that. Um, so I'm originally from India um, and I, I did my undergraduate uh, over there in biotechnology, did my first master's in biotechnology as well. By the time I finished my first master's, I think I kind of knew that I wanted to do a PhD, but wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do my PhD in. So I kind of I then came down to Birmingham in the UK to do a research master's because it allows you to do kind of two very different research projects. So I thought it will give me a bit of breadth of information about what I was really interested in and what I wanted to kind of stick to for the three years of my PhD. Um, so I did two very different projects, one was on uh, neuroscience and the other one was um, on uh, deve- using high throughput screening approaches. Uh, to find targets and uh, compounds against mycobacterium tuberculosis. And basically that kind of led to my PhD, and that's what I did my PhD in. And by the time I kind of finished my PhD, I was, you know, wondering what I wanted to do next and, you know, if I wanted to do a postdoc or not. And I kind of got interested in what happens in, like, in vivo models of infection and how treatment affects the, uh, you know, the systems inside our body. So then I applied for a postdoc position at Cambridge got the postdoc position while I was still writing up so it's a bit of a stressful transition from starting a new job and writing up and you know giving doing my viva so that was that was an interesting kind of move over um but since I've been in Cambridge uh, I I did a bunch of other things I collaborated with um Alexis Smith on developing a, a vaccine candidate for enteric fever and I think it well, was so I applied for a BBSRC uh, flexible talent mobility grant that was coming through to Cambridge. And that basically allowed me to have my first introduction with AstraZeneca. Uh, and I basically wrote up a project to do with, uh, uh, to kind of do in collaboration with AstraZeneca. And that allowed me to, to kind of go there and work with the scientists within the company. And it was a mass spectrometry imaging based uh, project. So, from then on, I kind of, you know, I had my first insight into industry, and I was like, oh, you know, it's not because you're, you've got, you always got this perception of industry from the outside that, you know, are they going to be quite, you know, rigid in how they do their work, and you don't really kind of get to bounce around ideas or come up with ideas or publish or all of those things. And I think I kind of had a little bit of insight and then I applied this job came up in the last year when I was looking for jobs in the middle of a pandemic (laughs) so I applied for it and, and then you know I got it so I was quite pleasantly pleased and optimistically started the job and I'm quite happy in the first two months so yeah that's how my journey you know has ended up in AstraZeneca. That's excellent.
1: That's really good. Um, I'm surprised after all three years of chatting with you, I don't know that much information. But now you know. So, you mentioned the Flexible Talent Mobility Grant. Um, Yes. And I'm sure that this is something that maybe some of us haven't heard of before. Um, So, I'll probably be going a little bit off tangent here. But I think it's interesting to pick up on some of the things that come out of this. So, is this a grant that is available only to postdocs, or is it also available to PhD students, and do you have to be employed with an employer already um, to apply for this kind of grant? So
0: yes. So I think what uh, the grant is basically is it's uh, the BBSRC kind of kind of gives out pots of money to different like universities, and then you have to then apply for uh, these pots of money because you have to have an employer. Like yes, you will have to be in an employment with the university that has been allocated that pot of money I suppose Um, and in my case it was a slightly different situation because when I applied for it I actually hadn't had my viva for my PhD so I hadn't officially graduated and become a doctor Uh, but in theory in the in the grant application, they did say that you must have a PhD in order to be able to apply for the grant, but I applied for it anyway, because by the time I would have started the grant, or if I had got it, which I did, I would have, you know, given my viva and hopefully a pass, which I did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's, I think, how it works. And I think, obviously, when you do apply for that pot of money, it's kind of, you have to have, have like a collaborator in place and you have to have your PI's permission because it wasn't the project that I was employed to do my work, job on. So it was kind of like a, a tertiary project Sorry. that I kind of, you know, it was involved in. So, yeah. But my my, yes. my supervisor was very supportive and he was like, yeah, go for it. It's fine. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> I just thought, you just said there, my supervisor was very supportive. And I suppose it is important to make sure when you're looking for a job to make sure that the environment you're going into is a supportive environment so maybe make all of your inquiries and make sure that whoever is going to be your pi all your team members are going to be um supportive to you so that's really important because that comes through all the time doesn't it very very um, much so
0: i think yes i think it's not because you you join a place not only for the for the science and for the interest i think it's also for the kind of people you work with because you're going to interact with them on a day to day basis. And I think that's quite important. Uh, you only realize that a bit later on, I think, when you grow up and you've been in like different situations over time. So, yeah.
1: Great. So now that you've been in industry fully I'll be only for two months. How did you find, how are you finding that your experience that you've brought from academia is helping you? Is it is it any good? Is that helping you in your current role? And what are your day-to-day activities like? What would you do as soon as you go in the office? What would you do?
0: Oh, I do think, I I think, you know, we always have this idea that, oh, you know, whatever we do in academia, it's probably not going to be quite useful in industry. And, you know, we we won't be able to transfer our skills over. And I don't think that's true at all, because all your experience that you bring in, uh, I think it's definitely and it also gives like a fresh perspective to people in industry. So. You know, if you go into an open environment and you suggest, you know, this is how I've been used to doing it. Maybe this is something that can be applied here. And if people are open enough, they're quite, you know, happy to kind of take that on board. At least that's what I found, because I found that people within the group that I work with and within the company itself, I think are very open to new, you know, they've got... So when I had my first induction and, you know, when I started, they've got this thing called speak up culture. So they often, like, encourage newer members of staff because they come from different parts, they come from academia, they come from different companies, they're at different levels. So they bring in a lot of different perspectives. And I think that's quite positively taken on board. So uh, I think that's that's been my experience. and in terms of a day to day thing, I think when I get in to work, I think because I'm on a lab based role and I've only started my two projects, which is very exciting now, um, uh I often kind of just I get in quite early, so just because that's me. I get in by quarter past seven, which is um, <laughs> For a lot of people and it's also another thing to mention is it's it's quite good because when i moved over from academia i'm i was worried about not being able to plan out my day and being quite restricted into like a job and which is not the case i think you can there's like flexible Timings that you can work with. So people start anywhere between seven to like ten, and then they finish anywhere between like three till six. So it's it's quite flexible in terms of what what you can do within that day. And my day to day job is basically uh, I'll get in if I'm running a primary screen, for example, uh, I would have ordered compound plates from who we call compound management. So the guys are basically kind of handling all the compounds and the libraries, we'll kind of set up all these plates for us and then we kind of bring them upstairs and depending if it's a cell-based assay or a biochemical assay, I'll set up my assay. Um So there's two things that we do. We either run the assay on an automation, which is like these really fancy robots with like robot arms and things like that. Uh, or we just do it uh, on like, um standard equipment, but it's it's considered manual. For me that was like in academia, I thought that was high throughput, which wasn't quite high throughput. Uh when you the scale of things is slightly different when you get into industry. Um and I'd probably set up my experiment, you know, run the experiment through through the day and then analyze my data at my desk or at home. At the moment, you know, it it's slightly more flexible because you can work from home because that's what everybody's been doing through the pandemic. So yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So, how do you? What are the posts within your um, company? Do you think are, is available to PhD students and postdocs? Are they similar roles, or what are the posts? Can people be looking out for? Um,
0: so there's plenty. I think so. Uh, AstraZeneca also have like a postdoc uh, program. So you can apply for a post to do a postdoc within within the company, which I've heard is quite good. Uh, and people have come away with like quite good experience, either have continued on to stay or kind of gone on and done other things or gone back to academia. Um or you can apply for a lab-based role like mine. Um, and there's like other roles as well. So there's, I think there's something called a, a medical, um, medical sales liaison as well, uh, where basically you kind of uh, go and kind of talk to healthcare professionals. But, um. I think that's one of the things that you can apply for, or there's you can always get into business development if you're interested in that aspect of the company, uh, there's scientific communication, so we do quite a lot of internal and external scientific communication as well, so there's roles for that as well that you can get involved in, so yeah, I think there's plenty to get your kind of hands on.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Um So I suppose my next question to you is, where do you see your career? I know you've only just started (laughs) but where do you see your career going forward, you know, um, going from where you are now?
0: Um, So I've got, well, I've got plans. Um, So I'd like to kind of obviously progress in my role and kind of you can go from, you know, research scientist and you can go up to like, you know, team leader and, you know, and potentially that's more, my aim i'd also like to so astrazeneca has also got this really good thing where you can do secondments within the company so you can go and work in another department for a year and you know you can do other things and get skills and either come back or if you know lots of people stay in the new department that they move to so i'd quite like to you know get involved with like things like clinical trials and things like that so that's maybe something that's on my radar to like get a secondment in so um
1: that's that's the plan and we'll see how it goes (laughs) Sounds like a perfect plan. Um, And so how does your new job allow you to balance that life with your own family members, if you've got your own family, with your friends, and all the other social activities that you've got to do? And how does that, how does this job allow you to do that? Um, so I'd like to say that the work-life balance is very good,
0: at least for, you know, what I've observed in the last two months. And I gave a talk yesterday with a bunch of other women in drug discovery, which was an external event through AstraZeneca. And all of them have had families while working for AstraZeneca. And one of them was talking about her experience. And I can only, you know, kind of paraphrase. Uh, but she basically had two children while working within you know a a span of six years and she you know got two promotions within that span and she took two full years of maternity leave and to be able to do that and also have like a career progression i thought was quite amazing and to be able to you know not feel like it's any hindrance or you can balance both things uh is quite like inspirational for me uh so and also experiencing a good work-life balance at the moment i think it's 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 quite good i'd say so yeah
1: i'm asking that question obviously because i'm biased i've got a family yes, of my own of course I think that <laughs> a lot of people either worry about whether or not they should move on with their relationships or with their family life or change a job at this time especially because they're not sure how that's going to be perceived so it's really encouraging to hear that could you tell us a bit more details of your AstraZeneca job application procedure the interview questions that you would have been asked And things like that. Um, so the application procedure is,
0: I mean, fairly standard in terms of, you know, there's, there's an online portal that you can obviously, the, there's a link often on job adverts that will take you to an online portal and you've got to fill out your application form and you can, you know, attach your CV and all of those details that you need to put in into a standard uh, application. Um, and I think. It takes a while. I think I was a bit surprised because normally in academic applications you apply and within a certain you know period, which is often shorter than when you apply for you know an industry position, you kind of hear back. Uh, With companies, it's slightly different. At least with my experience when I was applying, Uh, and they often have several rounds of um, interviews. So. When I had or when I applied, not only to AstraZeneca, but this is just kind of generalizing, you normally have like an HR call with the HR person and they kind of filter you out and then you get another phone interview potentially. And then you, after the phone interview, then you get another, you know, interview that you're called to, which in AstraZeneca has got two rounds. So you obviously, there's a technical interview and there's a values-based interview. Which they often tell you more about when they you know when you called for the interview and uh the technical interview obviously you have to give a presentation about your you know what you've done and they ask you questions on that they test your technical and that's like half of the technical interview and then so there's a presentation technical interview and then a values-based interview and then you just you know yeah so uh, and the questions are Dep- you know, the values-based interview, you're kind of given a package to kind of talk, you know, read through and prepare for it. Technical interview, techniques-based, as it says. Uh, so you asked, you know, job-specific questions and your experience with working with specific
1: instruments, those things. So, yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of interviews um, for one job. Yeah, Did you make any sacrifices for your career? And would you change any of these decisions? Um, I wouldn't say it was sacrifice.
0: And I, didn't, uh, I think I've had quite a lot of learning experiences along the way. Um, I think thinking back, probably taking a, a postdoc position while I was finishing up my PhD was a bit too stressful. But I think I, think I came out of it learning quite a lot of new skills. Uh, but I don't necessarily think I have any regrets per se or wouldn't change anything. So, yeah. Uh, I think I've kind of had quite a lot of learning
1: experiences. And,
0: yeah, you fail, you kind of get up, you learn from it, and then you kind of apply those, you know, learnings somewhere else. So, yeah.
1: How do you feel in terms of liberty as a researcher in industry for publications and IP?
0: Well, so I, I considered this quite a lot when I moved, and I think I kind of ummed and ahmed about it. I was like, oh, you know, you might be not be able to publish and, you know, all of these things. But actually, it turns out that they're quite they're quite open to you wanting to publish and they you know they it's quite one of those things where when i applied for the you know interview they were like oh you know we want people to publish and you know come up with ideas and collaborate outside the company so for me it's like okay well and because i had that uh, FTMA grant with uh, with people at AstraZeneca, we are now writing a publication. So, I, you know, I knew that you can publish within the company and they
1: encourage it. So, yeah, and I think that's quite good. So, that's lovely. Thank you so very much. We've got one more minute and in that time, I just wanted you to say, ask you, you know, is there anything else you would like to tell us? You know, the PhD students here, the postdocs here. Um, is there anything you'd like to tell us? Is there any point about your career you would like to make? And what additional advice have you got um, to those of us listening to you today regarding our career? Um, I think I just uh, take up
0: opportunities when they come along and not hesitate. I uh, I think that's one of the things uh, that I've kind of taken away from like my uh, experience of kind of going from doing a PhD, so if any time there are opportunities and you doubt yourself, I think that's one of the things, it's like, you have to try it. Worst that happens is you don't get it, somebody says no, and that's about it. But I think if you don't take that shot and, you know, take that opportunity, I think maybe you sometimes wonder why you didn't do it. So I think that's
1: that's my advice. Uh, so, yeah. So take home message, take up the opportunities when they yes. come. Yes. Um, and don't hesitate, try instead of wondering what would have happened if you tried. I yes. think that's a really and don't, worry about, <laughs> and don't, don't worry, worry about failing
0: either. And don't worry about failing. failing. <laughs> but,
1: yeah. Thank you so very much, Franchali.
0: That's good advice, isn't it? Thank you for listening. And to hear more career stories from former PhDs and postdocs, Subscribe to the podcast or visit our website at go.qub.ac.uk
1: slash podcastpdc. Bye!